the older baldy Jeff is my younger baldy Jake father, just in case yes. you didn't know. A lot of people think we're brothers and that may be true in a partnership sense, but he's still my dad in a very yep. real and legally binding manner. My dear old dad. <clears throat> yes. And if you got that reference, then I'm sure you got a grin on your face. And if you didn't get that reference, you went, man, those guys are weird. It's true. Well, that's a general truth. It is a, it's a generalized truth and should have been part of our disclosure. We're weird. Once more under the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jake and Jeff McClure. We're here to talk to you about all things economic, um, but before we start talking about that dismal and dreary science, we have something even more dismal and dreary disclosures. Uh, the two people speaking to you right now, this is the most important disclosure you may hear all day, are, they are bald. Mm. They are also bearded. Mm. If this causes triggering in you for some reason, you are invited to please switch to a different station or, or turn consult, off the podcast. Or consult with a qualified counselor. Yes, immediately. Uh, a second set of disclosures, uh, although these are on a scale of uh, impact to you, probably not as important as the others. Um, the, uh, the program you're listening to is the Personal Wealth Coach. Uh, the name Personal Wealth Coach or the Personal Wealth Coach is also the name of an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission to give fiduciary investment advice just because it's registered and it's sort of the same people talking on here that do the firm and back and forth doesn't mean number one that the sec thinks that we're any better than anybody else in fact they just know how to find us um what it does mean is that we have some tighter reg regulation on what we're allowed to say and not say uh so to be very clear on that registered to give fiduciary advice which we cannot give on the air so the in the inside of everything that we do fiduciary find the best thing for the client we can't do that on the air but we can teach you stuff so this is education not advice if it were advice we'd actually have to be one-on-one -on -one or two-on-one -on -one or some other version of wrestling where we were uh sitting together with some degree of privacy and talking to you about your individualized stuff. And I'm not even sure anybody's listening to it. Well, yep, somebody's listening. Philip, thank you for listening. He told me we need to bring it today. Yeah, nothing like putting the pressure on, guys. This what is are a, we bringing? Um, I'm bringing spaghetti. What do, you, what do you have in mind? Well, I normally try to eat meat. All right. Uh, so steak and spaghetti. We're going to bring it today. Um, mm. We're not giving advice. We're giving education. We're registered with the SEC, but they don't give us any kind of approval or thumbs up or anything else. Um, we're bald. We're bearded. Uh, you, you've got one you want to throw in there. There's another important disclosure in here. Well, the information we provide on this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. Or unsaid information, for that matter, because unsaid oh, information oh, we will. give... 
full guarantee and warranty that it is incomplete. I will warrant that all unsaid information is unsaid. FOB Detroit. Sorry. Had yeah. To, had to finish that up. Okay. And the very, very last thing before we start talking 10 minutes into the hour about actually what we're here to talk about is that we're not paying for this radio spot. This is not paid commercial programming. We don't pay the station and they don't pay us. We've been doing this program for free for a long time. I'm coming up on 25 years now. In February, I'll be doing, I'll have been doing this program with you for 25 years. And I think I did it for a year before you came on board. Yeah. So it'd be, yeah, I think it's around 26 years we've been doing this. So that's a long time to not get paid for Saturday mornings. So that's all right. We're, we're okay with that. I'm just, this is the equivalent of humble bragging in that we're saying we're martyrs, but we're fine. We're fine. I guarantee, I, I assure you. Um, okay. So why are we doing it for free? I get that question because there's nothing out there that helps people understand what's going on. If you read the Wall Street Journal, most of what you read, you don't know what it means. So this is kind of our give back. We do get some clients out of this and the studio advertises for us and we advertise for, or advertises for this radio program and we pay money to advertise for the radio program as well. So, Senator, there is no quid pro quo. Or any other Latin word, especially not um, bad ones. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. There we go. And that is our, that was our massive bohemoth of disclosures. We took the small print and made it font size 18. Thank you. And we spoke slowly. It wasn't monotone at high speed. Uh, but what happened in the market this week? Well, it's always an interesting week if you're a geek. It's a, it's a geek week as usual, but... Um, it kind of weaved and wandered around up and down, uh, with little news and big news and finally settled at 4,090.4 SES and P500. We're talking about officially the SPX. Now, those, why do we say that? Wait, say the number again. You said 4,090.46. Okay. Okay. So why the That's, SPX? Why, why SPX instead of just everybody says S&P 500. Why do you say SPX? Because there's different versions of the S&P 500, believe it or not. And one of them is called the SPX, and that's the one we follow. And it, was, it is without dividends. It is the, called the price of the, it, it's called the price index. And yes. if you don't know the difference, that's fine. But one of the things that we try to do is be exact, as exact as we can. And when we state something as a fact, if there are multiple versions of that fact to state which version we're using, Yes, because is, sometimes while we're a weird. perfectly exact, we're getting it from a place that we think is correct. We have been exactly wrong in the past. Oh, yes, yes. Well, not only exactly wrong, but there's different versions of that thing. Anyway, uh, it dropped 1.11% for the week, which is pretty insignificant. It's the first week of 2023 when the S&P 500 declined. Um, it's still 6.5% higher than it was when it started the year. It's up. 14.18 since mid-October, October 12th, when it hit its bottom in this particular cycle. Um, it is still 83% higher than it was in March three years ago, and it is 23% higher than it was on this yesterday's date three years ago, um, which indicates all those numbers say the market is up, and it's up a lot over the last three years, and it is, 23%. That's about the average rise if you, if you compound that out very nicely. 
seven point something percent, which is about the average that the SBX has risen, risen for a really, really, really long time per year. Averages being, of course, a little deceiving in and of themselves. Or if you want to be exact, it's the mean. But it's still down 15% from its record high at the beginning of last year. And one of the things that I like to say, and I think it's important, if you're concerned that the market is down from its record high last year, and you think you're an investor, a long-term investor, you might want to adjust your viewpoint. Because long-term investing is not one year or two year. The shortest a long-term investment, and it isn't really a long-term investment at that point, would be three years. And if you're not looking at five and 10 years, then you're probably looking at the wrong numbers. And the interesting thing to me is the media does a very poor job of letting you know what the longer-term returns in the market are. They want to tell you what it did in the last five minutes, or the Dow was up 23 points today, or down 14 points, or 500 points. We haven't seen... means anything. We haven't seen this kind of point movement since... Yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> record breaking. 24 hour record broken once again. I have been at this a long time, uh, 40 years now, a little over 40 years. And I will remember when, if, some, if a headline had come out and said Dow drops 500 points, it would have been not quite the end of the world, but close enough for government work. Because the Dow, when I started 40 years ago, was for the second time rising above 1,000. So if it dropped 500 points, that was 50%. At that point, That'd be a fifty percent drop in a day. Yeah, which we we have it's normal never done by the yeah, way. Yeah, we have normal days of five hundred day uh, five hundred point moves in the Dow these days. So when I hear a news report, Dow dropped five hundred points today. Go for just a second, and I thought that's stupid. Unless you know where the Dow Jones Industrial Average was and what percentage that is, that is a meaningless statement. Daily moves are basically meaningless unless they're huge. And and this uh, this is all of the reputable companies as well. The, the Wall Street Journal, everybody does this. This is this is the most common thing you will see because it's a great headline because they're meaning to startle you and scare you. And e- so what we it. do with our newsletters, we try to bore you to death and we say that over the last three years, uh, the S&P 500, the SBX is up 23%, which if you follow along with this type of thing, is entirely normal. It's like we didn't have a pandemic and we didn't have a recession and we didn't have uh, inflation and we didn't have any of the stuff that's happened over the last three years. As far as the S&P 500 is concerned, which is what we use as probably the best popularly available representation of the stock market, everything's been normal for the last three years. Wait a minute. I have to ask this. Is the SPX concerned about things? I mean, as far as it's concerned... I it's think, been normal. Well, there's a guy whose last name is Silverblatt who maintains the SP, the Standard Poor 500 statistical data, and publishes it every day. Mm-hmm. He is the personification. I'm not sure if he's a real person. He is he is the personification of the Standard and Poor's 500 stock index. Anthropomorphism writ large. Here we are. Yes. Up. So, ladies so and if, gentlemen. Meet the SPX. If Mr. Silverblatt believes something, then he, he is the spokesperson for the so SPX. As far so as he's sense, concerned, he could be, con- mu- he could be concerned. He could be yeah. concerned. Yes. So, as, so as far as he's concerned, not much has happened in the last 12 months. Three years. Three years. 12 yeah. months as well. I mean, pretty low. I mean, not much has happened in the last 12 well, months. It's just a little drop. I, uh, and, and, and next month and the month after that, it's going to be no drop. So if we look back 12 months from last month, there was a big drop. 
And if we look back 12 months from this, this month, there's a smaller drop. And if we look back 12 months from October, um, it's this coming October. I mean, no knowing what's going on here, but that was a bottom of one of the bottoms of the bear. So that's likely to look really good in returns, but it's measuring from a bottom. So that's the point I'm trying to make. Not that nothing happened in the last 12 months or that we're not down for the last 12 months. But if you well, looked up tw- last month, you would have said, <gasps> so go ahead. The point I wanted to make is if you're looking at a three-year moving average for the stock market, you would conclude that nothing of any significance happened in that three-year period. There was no pandemic. There was no... No inflation, inflation. no pandemic, no no interest rates shooting up. No invasion of Ukraine. <laughs> and that's that's my point. If you are a long-term investor and you are intended, you're, you're leaving money invested as, as opposed to saved or something, and you're not a speculator, then you should have an eye on the long-term returns. We watch that very carefully. And sometimes there's some really shocking information in the long-term returns. And we can talk about that later in the show. I think it's important to talk about um, that is not visible in the short-term return. And that's where the important stuff occurs. Anyway. So what about the CRSP? The CRS, yes. We also follow the CRSP U.S. Mid-Cap Value Index. Why? Because the S&P 500 is dominated by large growth companies, growth-oriented companies that are priced according to their perceived future growth, whereas the Mid-Cap Value Index is smaller companies that are priced according to what they are intrinsically worth which we find more rational. It dropped 1.36% for the week to 2483.69, but remains up 6.16% this year and is only 3.37% lower than its record high as 2022 began. So it's it's a nice contrast. Different parts of, because actually the, the mid-cap value index is actually almost all composed of S&P 500 stocks. It's a different kind of S&P 500 stocks. Anyway, the yield on the benchmark 10-year U.S. Treasury, which is really important, it rose to cl- it rose all week slowly to close three point seven four percent six percent more interest being charged than there was a week ago. That's relatively large. the uh, the The reason that the interest rates at the ten year level went up steadily all week, at least that's what is reported in the Wall Street Journal, and I, th- I have to agree with it, is the fact that people it's beginning to settle in that the Federal Reserve Board, when it says we are going to pump interest rates up to over 5%, maybe as much as 6% in the short term, and we're going to leave them there for a long time, that they mean it. They really mean what they're saying. And it's beginning to settle in that uh, a 3.74% yield on the 10-year is probably not high enough. It's probably going to go a lot higher than that before it's all over with. And so it's gradually beginning to creep back up to that level. It's driven by market participation like anything else. Um Let's see. We we want to talk about the job reports from last week, but that's, but that's out of the market now. Now yeah. we're okay. No, I'm at T. Well, let's see. the The yield curve is still pretty seriously inverted. Yeah. The uh, one year, six month, and four month T bills are yielding four point eight nine percent, which it's, is again something else I want to talk about during that, the show. That's an interesting thing that all of those different time periods have exactly the same yield on Friday. Yes. Uh West Texas intermediate crude oil rose in price all week to reach seventy nine eighty three, which is not significant. It's been bobbing around a little above up to about eighty and then back down to seventy seven and so on. Uh, it's up 8.2% for the week because the market 
basically reacted to the fact that Russia announced it was going to cut oil production by 5%, which should raise global price of oil. And that's the market. All right. I, there's lots more to the markets than that. But yeah, we didn't, there's we a lot of, lot of markets. We didn't get into pork bellies. We didn't say anything about um, Gold. real estate, um, currencies. There's so many markets. We didn't say anything about uh, groceries or about um, cheap plastic Eggs. toys, uh, small plastic things. Uh, SPTs. That, that, hey, we could put an acronym out there and just start dropping that everywhere. And SPTs are uh, down this month, and we're recommending that everyone be aware of that. Small plastic toys are down this month. Yes. So uh, let's see what's going on in the world. We got a lot of stuff to talk about related to the markets. Uh, we've got more to talk to you about about the U.S. economy. We've talked a lot about the rest of the world. We've talked about tech and how it's shifting. We're talking about how trade has shifted, but I'm sure you have a bunch of other stuff that you had listed that you had talked about at the beginning of the first hour, and we haven't even touched. Well, I think one of the yields on the yield curve and all that good stuff. One of the things to pay attention to at this point is that first off, short-term yields are higher than long-term yields in in the bond market. What is, why is that important to you? Because Right now, you can go to a money market fund. This is, by the way, the way it was about 40 years ago, too. Well, not quite 40 years ago, but back when I first started in this, you could go to a money market fund and get a much higher interest rate than you can get at the bank. Um, You have to be careful which money market fund you go to. And there are those that are, and and there's uh, nuances. There are nuances between them. The, The federal, the government money market funds with only government securities in it that have fallen under some rules that were established after the great financial crisis are relatively secure. And there's other money market funds where if you dig down into them, you find out that they don't generally, they may be paying a slightly higher interest rate, but what they have in there is not anywhere near as stable or secure as short-term government securities. Um, and, and so it's, it's a buyer beware area out there, but there's a big difference going on. And we're seeing something called disintermediation as money leaves the banks and goes into money market funds. And the banks are beginning to squirm a little bit because they have a lot of the profits in the major banks have come over the last several years from the fact that uh, they could, in essence, have zero interest deposits, large zero interest deposits in their banks. And then they could loan money at a slightly high at an interest rate. Let's say they loan money at six or seven percent for a four percent, even for a car. And you had your money parked in there at zero percent. So in other words, they were taking your money and they were loaning it to people at six or seven percent. And that's where their profit margin was. Those are called golden deposits at the banks. Well, the golden deposits are leaving and they're demand or else they, they say either pay me a higher interest rate or I'm out of here. And the banks are beginning to feel the pain from that. That's a big change going on. And it has an effect on your personal situation. Let me give you an example. If in your portfolio you have a bunch of bonds and balancing out, let's say the typical six, the 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 I shouldn't say typical, but the rule of thumb 60-40 portfolio with 40% of your money in bonds and 60% in stocks. If the Federal Reserve and some people are certainly starting to agree with the Federal Reserve, bad idea to disagree with them, by the way, that interest rates will continue to rise and stay relatively high for a long time. It won't just be short-term interest rates that rise, because here's what happens historically when that occurs. Short-term interest rates go up and they may come down a little bit, but then the long-term rates rise to be higher than the short-term rates. This is the last time this happened 
was half a century ago, but it happened. And it happened. It has happened consistently over time in, in economies around the world. So if indeed longer term interest rates are going to rise, as the Fed seems to suggest, and again, arguing with the Fed has generally been a bad idea over the years, you might want to take a very hard look at your portfolio. You might want to take a very hard look at where you're invested and how you're invested because the price of the bonds in your portfolio may decline for a significant period of time. And obviously, if you buy a bond, an individual bond, and you hang on to it, and it uh, recovers its uh, eventually it'll pay you back the principal but inflation has eaten into that rather dramatically certainly ate into it this year um if you have a bond fund you don't have that privilege of waiting until it matures it's simply going to go up and down so that's one of the things to look at the the standard rule of thumb retirement retirement uh, 2027 or retirement 2035 fund assumes that we should keep a larger and larger portion of the portfolio in bonds. And there have been some really good studies and some really good articles that came out about that that says that might not be a really good idea. Now, I'm not going to give you an alternative investment advice because we don't give investment advice on the air, but it's something to look at very, very carefully that there are ways to get around that. And I think you need to be paying attention if you're planning to retire sometime in the next 20 years. This could have a very profound effect on your ability to do so. Now, it's a small thing, but that's a big thing, too. It's a small, big thing. Yeah. It's a long-term thing, but that's what investing is all about. It's also the fact that we had a jobs report this last week, last last week, literally. Yeah. A good it's one. Very, and, it's really and we good had one, another which is one. bad news for from the Fed's perspective. We had another one this week where we the layoffs were below 200,000. Uh, I say layoffs. The number of people filing for unemployment insurance was below 200,000. It's the same story again. If you add up all the big layoffs that have been announced by the big tech companies, why are the unemployment rates at record low? Why are we seeing absolutely below normal numbers of people filing for unemployment insurance? And what's happening is the tech companies only employ about 2% of the working force in the United States, about 160 million people. They only employ about 2%. Even big layoffs there don't have that big of an effect if they're not somewhere else. And here's what's happening. When people get laid off from the big tech companies, they get gobbled up by a small business in the area. Now, that's not the way it was when Detroit was doing big layoffs, when the heavy manufacturing facilities and the automobile and and everybody else was doing the big layoffs during the Great Recession and other times. Detroit was so focused on that function that if you, for instance, had a mortgage on a house in Detroit, so you're kind of stuck in Detroit because your price of your house went down and you get laid off from General Motors. Where do you go? Well, there's nobody. Everybody is laying off in Detroit because the big auto manufacturers dominate Detroit. And the end result is that everybody's laying off. That, On the other hand. Decades ago, you were not saying that happening right now. Yeah, go ahead. No. During the Great Recession. In, right. When heavy manufacturing in a, in a concentrated city like Detroit. So we, we had some real problems. It's a completely different story. If you're in Silicon Valley or in Austin and IBM or Microsoft or Apple or whoever is doing a layoff there, Google or whoever is doing a layoff this week, lays you off, there are huge quantities of unfilled job openings all over that area that you can immediately go into so you never hit the unemployment rolls. The other thing is the people who are being laid off, this is really fascinating to me, the people who are being laid off are white-collar technicians and management people who are quite capable of jumping to another industry very quickly with their education and experience and getting gobbled up and hired in a moment. Yeah. 
and and I'm going to add another piece to this. This is really important. This week I had an issue with my septic system, and I won't get deep in the poo with with the listeners. <laughs> There's lots of puns available here. Oh yeah. Um, that what wound up happening here is that people came and drained the septic tank and went about their way. By people, I mean one person who's getting ready to retire. And because of what I do and who I am and all that stuff, we got into a conversation about things. And this guy, you know, he, he drains two tanks a day, thereabouts, and is making a really nice living doing it. Now, it's, it is a poo job. It is a hard, hard job. But we're talking about significantly higher than just normal six-figure income, like way up there, like a decent percentage of a million dollars a year coming to a guy that doesn't have a secretary, doesn't have an office manager. He still does his bills by uh, writing on carbon paper. And I'm serious about that. We have, and I've got a question here, and this is kind of going in that direction, and it's a nice it's, it's part of what you're talking about. I have a question about what would I advise a young person to do when looking for jobs? What would I advise them to do to set up their financial future? Electricians, plumbers, septic tanks, arborists, you go down the list of things that people need to do with some degree of intelligence. It's not just pure manual labor, although there's a lot of it, are now making six-figure salaries, six-figure incomes and more because there's so few of them. And as these white collar folks are getting laid off across the big tech world and they're getting hired by little companies that need to bring their tech up to the, the standards of big tech, so they're hiring them up right away, the little people that are doing it are often a plumbing company hiring somebody that just worked as a you know Twitter employee that was hired with free meals at this place and catering and you know, the yoga facility and all that stuff, they're not working at a plumbing place, building their technological infrastructure. This is all really good stuff and good for the economy. Not fun to get laid off. We got to reinforce that. But that's where they're going. Uh, and that's about all we have this week. So uh, look at the trades. They are high paying and hard work, but you kind of can set your own hours if you're in high demand. So Keep that in mind. Uh, if you'd like to talk to us off the air, we do portfolio management and fiduciary investment advice for people of relatively high net worth. The phone number locally to call is 254-947-1111 or toll-free 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. Read our newsletter there, sign up for it. You can listen to our radio program going back lots of years. Find the podcast anywhere it is. You can talk to us through the contact form there or email us directly at jeff and or jake at tpwc.com. Until next week, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.